You guys, uh, you guys ready for the word this morning? Somebody's supposed to bring up my podium. Oh, there it is. I have notes, and I'm like, okay, let's go. I need those notes. <laughs> Thank you, James. Way to go, James. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm so excited for this morning. Happy Fourth of July. We're going to talk about freedom this morning. That's even greater than the freedom we have in America. You know, I know a freedom in 2021 that is greater than the freedom that we received in 1776. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's get started today. I'm like, I'm like kind of jittery here. Like, it's been a while since I preached, but I'm excited, and I think the Holy Spirit's here this morning, and I'm excited to share with you. So we're continuing our series this morning uh, entitled Peeled, What's Under Your Skin? And as we discover the fruits of the Spirit today, we'll be talking about kindness. And so I got I to gotta start off with a joke. I thought this would be funny, and now that I'm a dad, though, I'm like kind of rethinking this because the dad jokes, just, they just come flying out of my mouth. So um, we're talking about kindness. So I have here a kind bar. Is anybody feeling extra grumpy today? <laughs> Pastor Ray, you're feeling grumpy. Did you just get back from vacation? What's up with that? You should be okay. Does anybody want, okay. It's um, dark chocolate, nuts, and sea salt. There you go, Pastor Ray. Good catch. So um, now you don't have to be grumpy and you can share some kindness maybe with your wife if she's here, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so to, before we get into today's, into the, today's uh, particular topic, I want to do a little bit of recap. So we've done, we're going through the fruits of the spirit. So far we've done love, joy, peace, and patience. And today we're talking about kindness. So I want to lay some groundwork with some three points that we've uh, kind of discussed generally today to help us get into a place to talk about kindness. So something we've discussed in general about the fruits of the Spirit is that they're not um, relative to your circumstances um, or your feelings or the situation in which you need it. So it's transcendent of all of that. The fruit of the Spirit is something that goes with you in life regardless of where you are how you feel, who you're talking to. I like to say this, it's irreverent of your feelings, like it shows no respect for your feelings. So that's why we say the spirit of peace that surpasses all understanding. So it's not relative to your understanding. The spirit of joy that brings joy in the midst of the storm. It doesn't look at the storm and say, oh my goodness, or is, is burdened we're feeding back a little bit here. Can we get that? Can we pull this down a little bit, Jeff? Just feeding back just a little bit. I'll talk louder if I need to. Is that all right? <laughs> uh, the spirit of joy that brings joy in the midst of the storm. The spirit of love that sustains us on the other side of betrayal. So even if we've been betrayed, I can still love because I have the fruit of, of love in my life. Number two would be when we read what Paul wrote to the Galatians, there's no way we could misinterpret what are these attributes to be used for. So they give us peace, love, and joy in the midst of our circumstances, but also they're to be used in our mission to build the kingdom of God in this world. It's not just to make you feel better, but these are the tools that the spirit gives us to make a difference in the world. So let me, I'm gonna try this. If you're here this morning, and raise your hand if at some point, maybe recently today, 
yesterday or years ago, you were invited to come here. Raise your hand if at some point in your life you were invited to come here. Okay, so raise them up really high, please. Okay, so we can all see. At some point, these people were invited. So that, that's because we were sharing what we had. We wanted everyone to be a part of this, right? So if you did not raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, so why, why are you guys here? <laughs> you just, did you guys just walk in the door? I was born here. You, Jimmy was born here? Okay. Well, let me just say this. The only reason that there's a place for you to go this morning is because of somebody inviting those other people to build a community here, right? This is all, is, is all a result of the sharing of it. And so my point here is that the fruit of the spirit is not to be canned and stored in a basement. It's to be partaken and shared. And that's what we're doing this morning partaking of the fruit of the spirit and sharing it with each other. Okay, so last point three, fruit can only grow if you plant it in good soil, water it daily and give it some sun. And you can read that as S-U-N or S-O-N. That's kind of fun. <laughs> there are clear steps that we can take to nurture the fruit of the spirit in our lives, but they're not just recommendations in the same way that it's not just a recommendation to water your plants because it's somewhat beneficial to the plant. It's essential to the plant. The plant needs it to survive. So it's not by chance that you would see growth in the fruit of the spirit in your life. It requires your attention and devotion and a receptiveness to the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Amen, so let's pray real quick and we'll commit our attention and devotion to him this morning. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that sustains us with love, peace, joy and patience and kindness and goodness, Lord. We come before you and ask that you would speak to us that we would, and Lord, that we would be open and receptive to your work this morning. Lord, that you would fill us with your kindness, that you would open our eyes to your creation, to your beauty on this earth, Lord, and that it would inspire us. Lord, that you would sustain us and fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. So today, today we'll be talking about kindness. I'm excited about this topic. And as I was preparing this message, it became clear to me that like, this is something that maybe we overlook. And I think it's kind of related to the fact that kindness, kind of related to kindness, <laughs> is, is a little difficult to define. Um, and we'll get to that. But I really think this is important and it's near to the heart of God for his people. So here's what we'll do today. We'll talk about the nature of our flesh versus the spirit. Then we'll talk about how death in the flesh is actually the first step to bearing fruit. We'll talk about what children teach us about kindness. And then finally, how we can nurture sustainable kindness in our life. You'll hear a lot of terms that relate to gardening this morning. Um, we talk about the fruits of the spirit. I think it's beautiful the way that the word of God connects all these things with the analogies and so I'm gonna use those to our advantage here this morning. So let's read our main passage together. If you could turn to Galatians 5, 16, if you have your Bibles with you or on your device. And if not, you can follow along on the screen. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, just in case you get lost. Galatians 5, 16. So, 
So Paul's writing to the church, he says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things you wish, but if you are led by the spirit, you are under the law, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. There's a lot there. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So Paul says from the very beginning that the flesh and the Spirit are contrary to one another. They don't mix, it's oil and water. Right? And he also says in verse 25 that if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, let me ask you this Does that not mean that we could be living in the Spirit but walking in the flesh? Does it mean we could be living in the Spirit but walking in the flesh? I feel like this might be a conversation. I think we should have this conversation more often that being born again does not mean that you never sin or fall short, or fail in your attempt to glorify God, or to walk in the Spirit. It just means that now you see clearly when you don't. And you have context for your actions. Now, it means a lot more now when this happens, right? And by the grace of God, you have, you have the grace to change because you're born again. Amen? The New Living Translation says it, that verse 25 differently, and I think it's even more helpful. It says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. All this means is that being born again is just the beginning. Walking in the Spirit is a daily, moment-by-moment choice. And it may be uncomfortable to hear that, but the life of the Christian is filled with nuance, with changing patterns, with shifting patterns, with intellectual and emotional dilemmas. If you'd rather have a clear-cut path coated in marshmallow fluff and cotton balls, you, could, you can follow the way of the world where your, a postmodernist worldview allows you to create your own reality in every moment and run from things that are difficult but in that life, there's no fruit and there's no inheritance of the kingdom of God. And it's a void, uh, uh, devoid of any objective truth. So the life of a Christian is in the dirt. It's in the soil. It's messy and sometimes painful, but it's rewarding and life-giving. And it has to be messy and painful sometimes in order to be rewarding and life-giving. We till the ground we prune, we burn, replant, 
we nurture, and then we ultimately, we partake of the fruit. That's what you have to do in order to, in the physical sense, in, in order to, to grow strawberries or a pear or, or tomatoes, anything. It requires your attention. It requires pruning and replanting and nurturing. So maybe you're saying to yourself, okay, so you look at the, the, the lust of the flesh and you see, I'm not really involved with adultery or sorcery. I don't have a lot of hate in my heart. I'm not jealous. I'm not having outbursts of wrath. Praise God. You're not murdering anybody. Praise God. That's the big one, isn't it? <laughs> um, so maybe you're doing really good at not fulfilling the lust of your flesh, um, but there's more to put to death. It's not just about avoiding those things because you could avoid those things and just lock yourself in a basement. Is that living for God? Is that walking in the, in the spirit? Hardly. <laughs> so um, question, are you working in the flesh to try to obtain the things of the spirit? There's smoke coming out of your ears. Okay. Are you trying to walk in the spirit in your own strength? Let that keep going. You see, in our modern grocery store produce section world, we sometimes forget that fruit takes time to grow. Fruit takes time to grow. You go there and you just see it. You just pick what you want and you get what you want. But fruit takes time to grow. Trying harder, I'm going to be more joyful. Doesn't work. Right? This is a spiritual joy that we're talking about. It's not a physical happiness. It's not trying harder. That doesn't produce the results that, you're, that, that we're looking for. So joy is a spiritual state. I know we're talking about kindness today, but joy is a, is, a, is a little easier with this one. Joy is a spiritual state that grows within you over time as you walk in the spirit and nurture your relationship with Christ. It's something that you receive as the plant grows. It's something you receive as the plant grows. When you plant a seed in the dirt, though, so if you were to go out into a garden and plant a seed, and you came out the next day, you'd, you might think it's not working. And you might dig it up and be like, ah, oh, I've got to find a different spot for this, or try a different method, or, or give it a different kind of food, or this or that, the other thing, and you'd actually probably kill it. Right? You've got to let it go. Don't walk in your own strength. Trust God. Walk in the spirit. You cannot force the plant to grow faster. You can only nurture it and cultivate it. And when the time is ready, you pick it and partake of it. So, okay, this might sound confusing or complicated. And if you're thinking that like, okay, so what do I need to do? This sounds very inactive. It sounds just like, just let it happen, Nate. And I'm like, okay, kind of. But here's, here's the key. What are your action steps? I'm about to make it really simple. The only way to walk in the spirit is to die in the flesh. I knew, I knew that there would be no applause for that, but I'll say, I'll say it again. The only way to walk in the spirit is to die in the flesh. Death in the flesh is the beginning of everything, everything that we want. So let's turn to Colossians 3. verse one, Colossians three, verse one. This is Paul again, and he says, if then you were raised with Christ, 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So if then you were raised with Christ, living in the spirit, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things in the earth. Walk in the spirit. For you died. Death is the beginning. It's the first step to being born again. Which means death is the first step to bearing fruit. So how beautiful it is that because of Christ's death, we are given the soil from which the fruits of the Spirit can bloom within us. And how beautiful it is that because of Christ's resurrection, we are given the water, the living water, and the light through which we can nurture and cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Everything points back to Jesus and what he did for us. Everything points back to the cross. We cannot be born again if it were not for the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And here he is in John chapter three, I'll read this quickly. When he's teaching Nicodemus, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So friends, being born again, it's not just a minor shift. It's not a rephrasing of your current reality. It is a complete and total change. It's zero to infinity. It's death to life. And you know, this is a kind of a fun aside. I like to, okay, let me just share this with you. Zero to infinity. When you think about that, do you know that zero to one is infinity? is an infinite amount of change. You know what, we think about one to two, that's 100% change, right? You guys, are, you guys know math? You guys are just, one to two is 100% change, right? <laughs> zero to one, zero to anything greater than one, greater than zero, sorry, is an infinite amount of change. And we think about, God created, so in the beginning there was a void, there was nothing, and he created the heavens and the earth. All he had to do was create one molecule and it would have been an infinite amount of change. But he didn't do that. He created the heavens and the earth and we look up to the stars and we see the earth. It's because God's good. He's not basic. <laughs> right? Anyway, okay, so being born again is zero to infinity. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Paul said, since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above for you died. So this is all connected. I know we're leading up to kindness, okay? This is all leading up to this, this topic of kindness. I want, to, I want us to understand that um, this is all connected, but I really believe the only way we can talk about kindness is when we've allowed the gospel to completely reframe our mindset to be born again. Because it's not 
and earthly kindness that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the fruit of kindness. So let me be upfront about this. You cannot cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in your life unless you walk in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the Spirit unless you are living in the Spirit. You cannot live in the Spirit unless you have been raised with Christ, and you cannot be raised with Christ unless you have first died in the flesh. This is where it starts. This is how we get there. So, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint a picture here of like, we're not just trying to be more kind, right? We're not just trying to talk about practical things. Death is the beginning of all the fruits of the spirit, but especially kindness. Because when we think about kindness, it's easy to think about these practical ways to fill in that action. But what we're talking about today is deeper than that. We could talk about the practical ways. And it might be helpful for you guys to understand that, for all of us to understand that. But I could tell you those things without mentioning Christ. Like think about that person in your life and try to be kind to them and maybe think differently about how you could help them. And that's not bad, but I don't have to mention Christ. And if we want to point everything back to the gospel, we have to talk about Christ. And then in addition those practical things, if, if they are disconnected from, being, from our relationship with Christ, then we're drawing upon our flesh to be kind. And guess what? Have you ever tried that? It runs out pretty quick. It does. But the beauty of this is that the fruit of kindness never runs dry because it's not from you. It's from the Spirit. It's sustainable which in today's world, when we're talking about climate change and all this stuff, being environmentally friendly, hey, this is a good thing to be. It's sustainable. <laughs> no, sustain, we all, everything should be sustainable. Guess what? The fruit of the spirit is sustainable. Okay. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, like, so we're not, I'm not, not gonna talk too much about the practical things. That doesn't mean that the spirit of kindness is inactive. In fact, when we look at what Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is, the word that he uses for kindness in Greek, it suggests usefulness and gentleness like a child. Generally, you know, kindness, when we say that word, kindness, it can be difficult to define it. Um, yet, when, we, when I say that word, I think we all know what it, we kind of know what it means, right? We know, we know what kindness is. But if you were to try to define it, it's like, it's like trying to define the word good without using the word good. It's a challenging, it's a challenging word to define. Um, the dictionary says uh, the quality of being friendly, generous, or considerate. And you're like, okay, that's a little helpful, but it's really just using other words. <laughs> it doesn't point me to the, the core of what it means to be kind. And that's why we need a life example. So let's talk about what we learn from children. And so before we get into this, this next section, I wanna be considerate of people that maybe, maybe you don't have your own children. Um, uh, I'm sure some of us have our own biological children. Maybe some of us have step sibling, uh, stepchildren or adopted children. Uh, maybe some of us don't have any children of our own. Um, but I want to be considerate to those of you that don't. But please, in, in your mind, I'm sure there are children in your life. And so 
bring those children to mind as we, as we talk through this, what we can learn from children. Um, and if there are no children in our life, I would encourage you to, to allow that, those relationships to happen because we learn so much from children. So let's talk about it. In Matthew 18, guess what? Jesus talked about children. When his disciples asked him, who is the greatest in heaven? He said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So God is so good. I, I'm lo- I love how this is all connected even to what he says in John 3 about being born again. And we're gonna get into that, but I wanna say this. You know, he says little children. What is, what, what is little, right? So if you have, if you've brought a child into your mind or you have your own child, just think of them right now and, and if they can talk back to you, too old. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jesus does not want you to become an obstinate four-year-old. No. I'm kidding. Actually, we can learn a lot from four-year-olds. We can learn a lot from all children. I'm just kidding about that. But little children give us a glimpse of innocent kindness. They assume the innocence of others. And I love this about children they don't assume that you're bad. They actually assume that you're good. Isn't that great? And so already they're just off to a way better start than adults. We, we do the opposite. We assume that people are bad. We have trust issues like crazy. We're overprotective of ourselves, our feelings. Kids just let it all happen. They let it flow out. They trust people. They assume that people are good. So <clears throat> I remember in my early teenage years of rebellion, we all went through that, right? Make me feel better. Okay. So there's like the aftermath of being a little child. So no longer a little child, okay? This is not, I'm not trying to talk about when I was a little child because my parents say that I was great as, as a kid, but when I, something about middle school messed me up. So um, I know some of us have like more dramatic stories of our teenage years. Um, Thankfully, I didn't do anything too crazy. Just the typical stuff, like one time I threw a rock at a bus. Um, And uh, (laughs) it's kind of an interesting story. Like it wasn't moving. Oh, no, it was. It was moving. Um, But there weren't people... On the no, there were people on the bus. <clears throat> it didn't break the wind. No, it broke the window, and I didn't. You know, it was an accident. It was. I did it on purpose. You know the typical stuff. Make me feel better, please. <laughs> um, and to this day, honestly, mom, dad, I'm sorry. Um, I honestly cannot give you an answer as to why I did it. I think there was maybe a dare involved. I don't know. It's a blur. Um, I kind of blacked out that period of life from my memory. Um, Anyway, though, so after I would get in trouble or in a really bad argument with my parents, um, something interesting would regularly happen. My mother would sometimes show me a photo of myself from when I was a very young child. Um, I think we have a picture here to give you an idea. 
Don't know. Don't all. Because you need to picture that teenage version of that kid. And then it's like, no, Nathan, don't do that. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, so she would show me a photo of myself when I was very young, looking happy, smiling. I believe that was at a Hanukkah celebration years ago. And, um, and she would ask me, what happened to that little boy? <laughs> um, and as a parent now, I get it. Okay. Yeah. I understand the true depth of what she meant. She's basically saying, stop being a brat, get it together. Um, you used to be such a pleasure and now you're driving us crazy. Stop. But regardless, every time she would do that, she would show me that photo or a photo like that in the midst of my rebellion, frustration, belligerence, obstinance, disobedience, I would crumble. It'd make me cry. It would break me. Because I knew, deep within myself, I longed for purity and peace, to live in kindness again. And that frustration and rebellion was, was not what I really wanted. I didn't want that. I wanted kindness. So as, as adults, our culture has taught us to drift from that place of warmth and love into the cold world of unforgiveness and selfishness, of vengeance and grudges and comparison and favoritism. So I'm going to read this quote here um, from one of my favorite artists. His name is John Mark McMillan. By the way, he, he, if you don't know who he is, he wrote the song, How He Loves, which I always, whenever I have the chance to say, I like to say that that's the guy that wrote it, not David Crowder. I don't have anything against David Crowder, but like nobody actually knows that John Mark McMillan is the one that wrote it. And it comes from a deeply personal place. The song story is incredible. Look it up if you have a chance. So John Mark McGillan shares this um, quote. It's a little long, but I want to get to it. And I think you'll enjoy the stories that he tells. Um, It's in reference to a song that he wrote about having a child. And so again, if you don't have your own children, please bring those children to your mind as I talk through this. So he says, you sacrifice your youth for your children. And we either choose to do this for them or they take it from us. Things we didn't realize we love so much like sleep, a car that doesn't reek, bathroom walls and floors that aren't stained with pee, vacations that are actually relaxing, days off that are more restful than work, going to the movies for less than a hundred bucks. Over time, so much of you that was young and vibrant and alive slowly fades and is laid upon the altar of t-ball practice, emergency room visits, parent-teacher conferences, science fair projects, summer camps, tantrums, and public displays. Some days you can hear the screaming from the street when you get home from work and you die a little with every step you take toward the bloodbath that awaits you. (laughs) When you have kids, a thing in you dies, you give all the youngness in you To them, and in a way, you die too. But it is this way with all good things. There is a sacrifice that stands between you and anything good. Children take you in your old, used up, faded glory and they kill it, but in return, they give you something else. They take your dying youth and give you a chance to experience a new childhood. Not just your inflated memories of some forgotten glory days, but a glorious new youth. They kill you, but they give you a new life. 
They give you the opportunity to enjoy all the things that you, in your smug sophistication, forgot that you loved. They give you snakes and horses and trampolines, Mario and Saturday cartoons, dogs, bicycles, nature shows, costumes, forts and airplanes, paper mache, comic books. When everyone else passes a cow or a horse as though it were just a tree or a rock, you get to stop and glory again in their majesty. You get to glory again in the tree and the rock too because your sad, glazed, over-practical, numb-to-beauty eyes have been torn open again by creatures who still recognize the transcendence in things that we have mistakenly grown to consider common. They find a galaxy of meaning in a duck, (laughs) a frog, or a baseball. In this way, children literally see the world better and more accurately than we do, and they teach us a new way to see the world, ourselves, and God. Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is teaching Nicodemus, and he says, you must be born again. Okay, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he's teaching the disciples, and he says, you must become like a little child in order to enter the, born again, become like a child, right? He's, he's saying the same thing. He's using a different way of saying what it means to be born again. Becoming like a little child is to be born again, right? I mean, almost literally, that's what it means to be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand what he meant when he said be born again. He said, do I have to go back into my mother's womb? He did not comprehend it. And he shares with the disciples, you must become like a little child. So what if to be born again, I'm not trying to reinterpret the spiritual significance of what it means to be born again in the physical sense. But what if to be born again is to become like a little child and is to forget everything you've ever known. To become like a child who does not know, but is kind. Who doesn't fully understand, but is in awe and wonder. Think of all the broken relationships that maybe you have in your life, the situations that need mending, the things that are causing you stress, frustrating you. Who have you been unkind to lately? Now stop, change, become like a child and see them as an image bearer, as a child of God, made in the image of God. Let your sad, glazed, over-practical, numb-to-beauty eyes be torn open again. And you know, have you ever noticed that sometimes it's easier to be kind to people that you don't know like the grocery store clerk, maybe. It's, a little, it's easy to just be like, hello, how you doing? Great, cool. God bless you. Hope you have a great day. I don't have to deal with your problems. You don't have to deal with mine. Let's go our separate ways. I feel good about it. You're like, I was kind to them. They were kind to me. Great. Um, but your husband or wife, late at night, after they've asked you for the 100th time where the remote is, I bet you won't be smiling. 
So am I saying that what? Like it's easier to be kind or that kindness is connected to a willful ignorance. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. But that's not the kind of kindness we're talking about. (laughs) Knowing less can certainly make it easier, but it's no way to live. In fact, it's a greater testament that the, of the spirit at work that we can be kind to those that we know deeply. To say, despite all the things I know about you, what you've done and how you've treated me, what you've said about me, I will choose kindness. It's because our kindness has to be fueled by the kindness Christ showed us. To be born again, We know the love of Christ. So quickly, I'm gonna walk through four examples from the gospels where Christ was kind and how we can identify with them. Matthew 8. In Matthew 8, verses one through three. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So because of the nature of leprosy in that time and the communicability of the disease, Lepers were outcasts in the society and nobody wanted to touch them or be near them. They were labeled unclean. Nobody would go near them. They lived completely separately, but Jesus taking pity on him decided to touch him with his hands. He didn't see the man as a leper, but as a human being who was sick in need of help. So he touches the unclean. In Luke 9, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. He was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran and he climbed up a tree and saw Jesus. And when Jesus reached his spot, he saw Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. He said, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and in response to that, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and any, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back. Immediate change. And so Jesus, going against the cultural norm, he has sat with and ate with a sinner. In John 4, this section's a little longer, I'll summarize it. In John 4, Jesus preaches to the Samaritan woman at the well. He breaks the boundaries of xenophobia and prejudice towards Samaritans. He reaches out to the foreigner. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when the disciples realized that Jesus was going to be arrested, they drew their swords, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear, but Jesus stopped them and he healed the servant's ear. In spite of his imminent death, Jesus found it in him to heal the man that was arresting him. He loves his accusers. 
So we can identify with each of these stories and place ourselves as the recipients of the kindness of Christ. We were once unclean, but Christ was willing and kind to touch us and heal us. We were once sinners, but Christ was kind and willing to sit with us and eat. We were once foreigners to the kingdom of God, but Christ was kind and he went out of his way to adopt us and bring us into his family. We were once accusers and betrayers of God, but Christ was kind and willing to forgive. This is the only way to sustain kindness in your life is to recognize what Christ has done for you, the ways that he has been kind to you. He perfected it in his actions towards us. We have so much example of what we should do when we look at the scriptures and how Jesus was kind to us. So if we ask ourselves this question, if kindness is a fruit that grows within us spiritually, in what ways has my kindness grown? If you want to see growth in your kindness, you know, Pastor Rodney and even Pastor Ray, we've been, we've been talking about these attributes. Sometimes when you ask for more kindness, you get opportunities to be kind. Like when you ask for patience, it doesn't always manifest itself when you're just like, oh, suddenly I'm just like, whatever happens, bro. <laughs> cool, like timing's not important. It's, but you might get opportunities where you need to be patient, right? So if you ask God for kindness, be prepared for opportunities to touch the unclean. Be prepared for opportunities to sit and care for sinners, to reach out to the foreigner and to love your accusers. The people that accuse me, the people that are unclean, that are sinners, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that in the flesh. I don't wanna do that. The people that accuse me, man, can you think about that for a second? Can we just imagine that for a moment? Somebody that's accusing you of something you didn't do. How does that feel? Can you bring it to mind? How does it feel to be accused of something you didn't do? Man, you feel like you have righteous anger, right? You're like, nope, I'm I'm going right against this. I'm coming after this person. They deserve it. I'm, in, I'm right, they're wrong, this needs to be justified. Well, guess what? The justification comes in the form of you loving them, not in you becoming publicly known as being right. But you know, all of this stuff can get washed away really easily if you just remember that your life is not your own, for you have died and been raised with Christ. And your future glory in heaven far outweighs any pain and suffering that you experience here on this earth. So maybe you're here this morning as we wrap up and you want that, you want that new life, you wanna be made whole again. You look at your life and you struggle with sustainable kindness, these things that give you life in the spirit 
Maybe it feels all completely unattainable. Like, how can I be kind to those people? How can I have peace in the midst of the storm and joy in the midst of the storm? It's ready and available for you this morning. And I'm gonna pray for us real, real quick. And um, if, we could, if we could all just close our eyes. Lord, we thank you for the cross that sanctifies us and redeems us. We thank you for the opportunity to be made whole again, to be born again. Lord, that starting over can be a glorious, glorious new life. Lord, help us to let go of our standards that we have placed on ourselves and other people in the flesh, God. God, let our standard be the cross. Help us not to be fearful of letting go, Lord, that you would sustain us this morning as we seek you and as we come after you and say, give us new life. We thank you for the kindness that you've shown us. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hey, we're glad that you're here. If you, if you accepted Christ this morning, if you want that new life, we would encourage you to, to head back to the connections room in the back corner. We love that you're here with us this morning. And remember, I know a freedom in 2020, 2021 that is greater than the freedom we received in 1776, and it's in Christ. Happy 4th of July. We're grateful for the freedoms that we have here this morning to worship freely, but freedom in Christ is even better. Amen. Hallelujah. Stop by the connections room. We love you. See you again next week.